2: This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156.
1: Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the house of hardcore, and the heart and soul of professional wrestling, Tommy Dreamer, and... The world's strongest man, a world champion, not one, not two, but three different sports and WWE Hall of Famer. Mark Henry and I all talk to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Not only one of the greatest of all time, not only on the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling, but we talked to him 25 years ago. That's right, 25 years ago on this day, king in a ring. 1996, one of the greatest promos of all time, Austin 316. We get into that. We get into pro wrestling now. We get into broken skull sessions. A lot to talk about with Stone Cold Steve Austin right now on the Busted Open podcast. History 25 years ago on this date.
3: You know, who would have figured it would last that long? And you know, I was I watched that promo about 10 times last night just so I could, you know, kind of take myself back to where I was. But so many things that had to happen, and I'll, I'll just run through it real quick, for, for that promo to even happen. You know, the incident ha- had to happen at the garden where the guys hugged, because Triple H was supposed to win that King of the Ring. Vince tells me I'm going to win, okay? So then I go in and wrestle Mark Merrill, who's a wonderful human being. I get along really good with him. I was fortunate enough that he kicked me in the mouth. If he had never kicked me in the mouth, this would have never happened. They hauled me to the hospital. I get 14 stitches, come back. Michael PSAs is right there at the ambulance to tell me, hey, Jake just cut a religious promo on you. So thank you, Jake, for cutting a religious promo. Thank you to Michael PSAs for telling me that. Uh, so we didn't go out there and try to plant a barn burner for mash myself and Jake, it was short to the point, got rid of him, got the win. and uh, you know, then Michael interviewed me, and you know he told me, "Hey man, we're, you know, when Jake was cutting his promo on you, it was kind of religious based." I said, "Well, what'd he say?" And he told me, and that's when the Austin Three Sixteen popped into my brain, and I went out there, and uh, you know, I had Austin Three Sixteen. I had uh, <clears throat> because Stone Cold said so as a, as a button because I knew I needed a button. I came up with that on the fly. And then looking back at that promo, you know, I predicted my future. I said, I don't care about any of the WWE superstars, what they are. They're all on the list, that's Stone Cold's list. And I'm fixing to start running through all of them. You always know you get a push coming out of of King of the Rings. So I was predicting my push. And then I also threw myself into the title mix, which is what all these UFC fighters do these days. You know, they wanted me to say something about the championship match to dictate, you know, to let you know how important that match is. And I said, hey, I don't care if it's David Boy Smith or Shawn Shawn Michaels. But you're looking at the next WWF champ, if I ever get the shot. And that's the bottom line, because I said so. so. So many things happened in that promo, but so many events happened to line up. It was almost like it was predestined for that promo to happen. And if none of those events would have happened or anything out of order, that promo would have never happened. Maybe I'd have still been a big star. But that promo gave me two taglines, 316, because Stone Cold said so. At one night at an event, I was never supposed to win. So entirely grateful for all the pieces and people that fell in place for this thing to happen.
0: And Steve, uh, back then, uh, you know, watching your latest documentary, before there was social media, you can see your internet buzz before the internet because of all those signs, all those 316 signs where you now know you're onto something.
3: Oh, definitely. When we saw those signs, I remember, uh, you know, Mark had just come into the company. They'd brought Invader, Vader, McFoley, a lot of guys, and they didn't really have any merchandising plans for me, and I'd always talk to Jimmy Miranda. You know, I'd say, God dang, Jimmy, the office got any ideas for a shirt for me? And he'd always say, nope, Stephen, they don't. Finally, when all those 316 signs started showing up to me, I mean, it was a thing, and Jimmy comes up to me at TV one day, and he goes, Stephen, the office finally wants to do a shirt for you. Got any ideas? And I said, you got dang right I do. I said, put Austin 316 on the front, Carbon uh, stone cold on a skull on the back. And uh, we got it cleared. Uh, here's something I've said before, not, maybe not everybody knows, but Undertaker had to give me clearance to use that skull because Vince thought that might be gimmick infringement. I ran it by Mark. He was cool enough to give me the green light on the skull. Thank you, Mark. And that shirt was born. So yeah, man, to your point, social media wasn't a thing. And you when you go out there and you you know how how wild it was back then. Those those poster boards, those people spent so much time working were a definite indicator of, hey man, we got something and it's turning it's it's catching on fire.
2: Steve, a lot of people don't realize how much impact you had on doing your shirts and doing your merch. Like, did did you just have the knack for that or did you have the Kind of lobby to get that kind of power to be able to say, "Hey, let me let me come up with these ideas." You
3: know, when when we you know when I said, "Hey, there here's the first shirt," and we came out with it, uh, <laughs> I had a little conversation with Vince because I remember getting a royalty check and I was like, "Look at that royalty check!" and I was looking at all those shirts out there and I was like, "Hey, man, this ain't matching up." And so I went to Vince and had a conversation with him, and you know, I increased my percentage. And uh, that's a, that's a rare thing. And so at, at that point you know I kind of you know worked hand in hand with the art department and I'd kick them ideas and they'd shoot me a rendering and I'd say no no like this. So yeah I just took it upon myself and because you it was it was a lot easier probably for talent to be hands-on with merch back in the day but you know I I saw the value in that shirt and I didn't think the percentages added up and that was a key business move. I never liked talking contracts, money, you know, with events and stuff like that. But that was, you know, something that I needed to address. And I'm, I'm glad I did because, you know, I increased my, you know, my merch.
1: Well, you just talked about ideas and obviously we're talking about the Austin 316 promo. And you said that you heard that Jake had cut a religious promo on you. So you came up with that off the top of your head. And you had, like you said, two winners in one promo but you had the freedom to be able to do that. Like I, like that. It, it pains me as a wrestling fan to know that how difficult that would happen today because of the scripted promos that are being used in pro wrestling. And you don't have that creative freedom that you had 25 years ago on the mic.
3: You know, I, I I'm not around today's current system. I, I thought someone got let go because they went out the script here recently. Um, And maybe they're going to get let go anyway. I don't know. But, you know, it it was a different time. It was still the wild, wild west back then. And here's the thing. I think even if you went off script in today's day and age, if you go out there and you hit a double grand slam walk off game, you know, series winning promo, I I think everybody's going to be happy about it. You know, that that promo You know, at the time, if you if you watch that promo, you know I I was on the way to getting over. I wasn't over over yet. And when I said Austin three sixteen says I just whipped your ass. That and I love that Milwaukee uh, Mecca arena. But that crowd, that was the biggest pop I got was from saying that one line. Uh, So I think David, if you can, if you knock one out of the park and everybody knows it. I think you're cool. But if you just go out there and do something that's kind of good, maybe you're showing them some potential. But, you know, it it is a different system. And I don't know, you know, how tight they make the talent stick to that. But hey, I'm just lucky that I came around when I did. And I was never afraid to push the envelope or go out on a limb. Once I started evolving into that Stone Cold Steve Austin character, man, I, I knew that I wasn't the biggest guy on the roster. You know, the, the most talented guy on the roster, the best looking, nothing. But I knew I had enough things that, it, that if, 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 you know, if I did everything that I could and executed a high level, I could get over. And, you know, I remember Jack Lanza, uh, George Animal, Steel, Sarge, uh, Jerry Briscoe. All those guys used to tell me they said, Steve, it's going to take you longer to get over because you're not really a gimmick. This is kind of ringmaster days. And then I came up with a stone cold thing and they said, but once you get over, you're going to stay over because of what you're doing. And those guys are predicting the future. And they saw that in me and I didn't see
2: it in myself, but to their point, they were right. Well, we talked, we talked to stone cold, Steve Austin, the wrestler. We talked to stone cold, Steve Austin, the man. Let's talk to Stone Cold Steve Austin, the artist, because I remember a time when every pay-per-view came out, there was a different Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt. They had the 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 one with the snakes as the arms, and uh, you know different ones. What made you think of that stuff? Well, you know.
3: Thankfully, Jim Ross, you know, my great friend, Jim Ross was calling a lot of the stuff along Jerry Lawler, but Jim Ross was instrumental in the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin, the way he endorsed me backhandedly because I wasn't a traditional white meat baby face. It was, it was a gray area type thing. And he started calling me the Texas rattlesnake. And, you know, I used to always hold my arms up like that when I went to the ring, and I couldn't straighten one arm out because it's crooked forever. But I, I just figured based on that pose, Mark, based on that pose, I said, hey, man, it'd be pretty cool if some artist turned my arms into rattlesnakes because that was the name, the nickname that Jim Ross had given me. And they hired this badass, you know, acclaimed artist to come up with that shirt. And that's where the artwork came from. My idea, but a great artist pulled it off. And that was one of my favorite shirts of all time.
0: Yeah, Steve, I use you a lot as an example, basically because of your hard work and your perseverance to younger talent. And or when talent gets hurt and I look when Steve Austin even became a bigger star was when he got hurt and or look at how this guy hit the ropes. Look at how this guy did his promos. And I, I talk about you to so many people because you are the biggest star and, and everybody has you on this Mount Rushmore. I got to ask you, who's on your Mount Rushmore of pro wrestlers? So you can only pick four. Uh, you can put yourself.
3: I, I will. Uh, I never bill one, Tommy. I never I, I never build one, but but I will build half of one because in, in my mind, you've got to have Nature boy Ric Flair and you have to have Hulk Hogan and I leave the rest for anybody to do. And you know, I know you have you know Bruno San Martino from that era, but my two guys that I will always go to are Hogan and Flair, and I leave the rest up to anybody else. All right. I'm not gonna put myself on there because I don't want I'm not i am not going to blow smoke. Had a good run. Someone's got me on there. That's cool. But my two guys are Hogan and Flair.
0: Is there a dream match you never got to have that you really wanted?
3: Yeah, it would have been great. You know, to to go against Hogan. You know, like he was still, you know, pretty primed up. He was on the backside, but still, you know, could do it. Uh, my my headspace wasn't in the right place, but certainly I could have done it. It'd been a different match than he ever had. Uh, but yeah, Hogan. Uh, Flair, I wish I could work with Flair in his prime. I worked with him the night before I walked out in Atlanta over doing the favors for uh, Brock Lesnar. And we worked in a cage that night, and I was happy as a kid in a candy store. And Flair had his blades all over his fingers. It was like working with Ed- Eddie's scissor hands. And I'm. I, I'm the, I, they, he, he, he he gaffed me so many times. I remember that. I was, I was in heaven because I was working with Nature Boy and it's like working with Eddie hand. So, Flair is prime. I mean, I, I could go, I could, I could name almost, you know, anybody that you guys look up to as well as I do, but those two right off the bat.
1: And for anybody who listens to this show and Tommy and Mark know this, you know, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, is my my favorite. I think he's the greatest of all time. But I tell I tell a lot of fans here, they don't understand it. If when if I went to the Meadowlands and Hogan was on the card, it'd be sold out. Twenty three thousand fans. If he wasn't on the card, you had five, six thousand fans like that's the difference between Hogan being on the show and Hogan not being on the show back then.
3: Oh, man. you know The guy's ground power is unheard of. And he did it for so long at a high level. But, you know, and he and. Hogan was a great worker in his own right Mm -hmm. and just had such an ear and such a feel for the people about how to draw them in. When it comes time to ringing that bell, though, the greatest world champion and my favorite of all time is Nature Boy, Ric Flair. I thought he represented the world championship title across the world better than anybody ever has. Shawn Michaels, when you ring a bell to when you ring the bell to end the match, is the best performer. As far as the reality of wrestling, who made it really seem like the truest sport in the world, Bret the Hitman Hart.
0: It's funny you talk about that match. I talk about what great psychology, and on the biggest stage of them all, a double turn results because of that match. I mean, you bleeding, uh passing out in the sharpshooter. We always, you know, and wrestling fans want to talk about winners and losers, but somebody went over, but somebody got over to the point of friggin' Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, the blood. What, oh, what exactly. a night! It's amazing. Yeah.
3: And, you, and that's, you know, first of all, it's almost never booked like that because I mean, double turns are, are damn near impossible. The fact that, you know, Brett said, Hey man, you need color. So we, we, you know, we got color and it was taboo back then. But Brett took me under his insurance policy because he'd been there longer. He had to stroke. And again, Boy, that's something that you could have really gotten in trouble for. But because it got over at such a high level and that crowd was just, you know, everybody was mesmerized by that match. Uh, you know, we, we didn't catch any flack for that. and I actually busted my head open on a guardrail for the record. But, you know, Bret Hart, Bret Hart had, a, had a great mind for the business. And you that was one of those you know, sh- luckily we were in Chicago as well. I got to give a lot of credit to that crowd because Chicago became a stronghold for me. And I'll never forget working a tag match there. It was just at a house show, we were working a tag. And every time I got in, those people started responding to me. And I was like, hey man, this is Stone Cold, early early days. And I said, hey man, these people are really starting to buy into this character. And had that, I think we'd have rocked the house anywhere we went out to, any, any place we would have went out to. But for some reason, Chicago has always been a great building for me that rose my horizon with the wood ceiling, great acoustics, and the feel for that crowd because they love their wrestling. And it was a hot angle. Brett's a working son of a gun. And uh, we just have great chemistry. And we're, we're able to pull that off. And it's man, to your point, man, and it doesn't happen every day. And if you tell someone to go out there and try it, man, good luck. Because you, you're going <laughs> to need every bit of skill and, uh, you know, the way you –
2: work that crowd to, to pull that off. I uh, Steve, uh, I just looked at Dave and Tommy and I think I I have the the podcast. We do something called Master's class and and it airs on Sundays here on Busted Open. Uh the arena that made you perform the best. And I, I, I have three and I want to hear your three. My three is Dallas any any estate any stadium any arena in Dallas the crowd is crazy my second one is Philadelphia because they were always anti they force you to work different than you ever worked and if you couldn't conform to what they wanted they shit on everything that was holy to you and as much as i would like to say Madison Square Garden it's the same as you the Rosemont, that wood ceiling, me and The Undertaker, WrestleMania 22, me and Daniel Bryan, I-, I had like three matches that I could think of in my life, and uh even getting my ass whooped by Brock Lesnar there. Like, it was, man, I took four or fives. Three of them were on the floor. So to be able to get up from that, I was just feeling it. What arenas? Uh, three arenas that, that did that to you? Chicago, Rosemont, uh, Madison Square
3: Garden because it was the garden. I and mean, then those people, are you know, it's very similar to a Philly crowd in a way, but the building is special because it's the garden, but they've seen it all. They've heard it all. I mean, so it's a tough crowd. If you can get over in front of that garden crowd, you can get over anywhere. I'm glad that you brought that Philly crowd up because, I mean, boy, that, that could be a challenge. You know, you know, Medellin's could be a challenge as well, but nassau coliseum holy cow if your oh, baby face yeah. making a comeback don't come back to nassau coliseum but to round out my top three because they'll <laughs> shit all over you i'm gonna go houston summit now they don't work there anymore they got a new oh, Joe bill out there but i'm going houston summit mark okay
2: steve all right uh
0: I'm going to go back and find the day, but I think we should also have another day for you because in the business we call a road warrior pop, but we should be renamed. I'm going to petition Jack Tunney for a Steve Austin pop because I have never heard or experienced a louder pop in my career when the Alliance is kicking everybody in WWE's ass and your music hit and that glass breaking and the ring. And when I'm telling you, it started shaking. And I was like, you know, I'm coming from ECW and I'm like, oh my God, it felt like an earthquake. Um, yeah. So that day should be, and we should change forever. It's called the Steve Austin pop. Is there any pop that in your career where you were just like, my God, this is the loudest thing I've ever heard?
3: Man, that was a good one. When we went to Toronto, we, we started off live and I came out there and I, I think we were sold out. I think that place held about 43,000 at the Sky Dome. Man, that was one of those long-lasting pops like, Mark, you talk about that Undertaker pop, you know, it just just won't stop. And Lawler was talking over. He goes, he he couldn't believe it either. But the one you're talking about, uh, the one when I ran out and helped Mick Foley win the World Championship against the Rock because, man, they just had a great beatdown going up there out there. And, you know, a lot of everything that goes into those pops, Tommy, is, yeah, I was super over, but when you really set the stage, for someone who's super over, I mean, it magnifies everything, right? So I got to thank thank uh, Booking and Vince for putting me in a lot of great positions to get those pops. But th- th- those, out of respect for the Road Warriors, and, and, and I got to agree with you because I think some of my pops, you know, you can call it a Stone Cold, the Austin Pop, whatever. But out of respect for the for the Road Warriors, God rest both of their souls. You know, I'm cool with just keeping it the Road Warrior pop because Come on. they they did they were the they they would you know, the originator, but they're the originators. So I am so cool with it still being a Road Warrior pop, no knowing what I know. But if people want to change it, that's fine. But I, I'm a huge – I was a huge Road Warrior fan. Me too. Steve, I'm just trying to
2: listen. give you another
0: day to celebrate your
2: – Oh, another <laughs> day, Steve. We're trying, <laughs> listen, we're trying to gift you on Busted Open. We can't just take from you. We're the we're number one show something. on
0: serious. We got a big pull here. We could make this happen. Uh, but okay, <laughs> we got, but you we gotta got a stroke
3: over here. <laughs> I can't just, just jump in and say, you know what, Tommy, you're right. Forevermore, it's the Austin pop, because then I'd look like an asshole. All
0: right. I'll look like the asshole. <laughs> I get no, people over. Say, That's what I do.
2: But, but I appreciate Steve, you you're noting that. Steve, we always got to take stuff back to food here. I'm going to tell you something. The reason that the reason that Vince put you in those positions is not because uh, he just was doing that because out of the goodness of his heart. He saw not only the sizzle, but he saw the steak, too. You have them both, brother. Like, you're going to take your flowers while you're alive. You and Dave LeGrecker, what in the world are we going to have to do, Tommy, to get either one of these men standing on this to the left of us to take a compliment? What are we going to have to do? Steve, you got the sizzle and the steak. Come on, man. Take that love.
3: But, you know, okay, I'm taking the love. But you you know how it is, you know, when when you're you're climbing up the ranks, when you're climbing up the ranks, man, and you ain't got a pot to piss in and you're working with, with journeyman guys that have been in the business 10 or 15 years, and they're all making a little bit more than you. And you're making 15 or $20 a night. And Those guys are taking you under their wing and they're dropping learnings on you. And you're traveling down the road, asking, asking them questions. And you realize that, Hey man, if I do not learn how to manipulate and work these people, I cannot increase how much money I'm making. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's something that, you know, it, you really have to pay your dues to learn that aspect of it. I mean, you, you truly do. And it's like watching Ricky Martin out there and, you know, they would say chicks in the front row, they'd use a different word chicks in the front row crying because Ricky's selling, you watch guys like that. And so you, you never believe your own bullshit. You, and you stay humble uh, because it can all disappear and you live and die by that crowd response. So I never take that for granted, but I'm always appreciative of it, but it took a long time to to really master that and, and, and make that work. Uh, you
2: know, uh, for
3: everybody
0: just, listening, oh. Steve Austin, uh, I, I'm proud to call you a friend. I'm proud to share a locker room with you. For everybody listening, he was the same guy from ECW, to when he was the world champion, he was always talking, helping, trying to do other things for other talent. Uh, not a lot of champions can say the same thing, but uh, from for me, I've always had nothing but respect for you because you've always been and truly be one of the boys. And from Tommy Dreamer, Funaki to Rock Austin, you you pay everybody the same respect, man. You're awesome.
3: Thank you, Tommy. I appreciate it. And, and we
1: only have ninety seconds here, but Mark mentioned before about the wrestler, the man, the artist, but. As a host, you know, and 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 I've reached out to you before and I was like, I was texting you and I was like, I'm texting, texting Stone Cold Steve Austin. He doesn't give a shit what I have to say, but it's like, you know what? I've been in the radio business for over 20 years. Maybe there is a little bit of stroke here, but you have done a phenomenal job on Broken Skull Sessions. You are one of the best interviewers that I have ever seen or heard like. The way that you can start a conversation and get people talking, it, it's second to none. And I have to really give you that compliment because you're doing a phenomenal job.
2: Make you cry Man, like I, Oprah.
3: <laughs> Man, I, I appreciate it. You know, you it's kind of like a batting average. You know, if, if your batting average, uh, you know, in the major leagues is 350, that's pretty damn good. But, you know, you, if, if your batting average is 350 on your interview show, you ain't doing very good. So I, I'm not hitting a grand slam on all of them, but I'm trying like hell to do the best that I can. Half the time, I still don't know what I'm doing, but I just try. I just want the boys to relax and have a good time. So I'm doing, I'm doing my best, and they really have surrounded me with an outstanding crew. When they, when those guys come out here, we have a really good time filming those things. But I have a great support crew for that show, so thank you very much. <music> Thanks for listening.
2: Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast.
1: Busted Open is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Ed Robinson. The associate producer is Gabby Laspisa. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for Sirius XM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.
2: The Living Room is where you make life's most beautiful memories.